Happy Monday to all you podcast listeners and video game fanatics in the world. This is Tim from Video Game Fury. Hope you guys have a good start to the week. Back in action here. If you heard my feed last week, I took a little mini break from the the interwebs and uh, went down to see some friends over in Tennessee just to kind of chill, catch up. And the good thing is that they're gamers too. So this was a good time to get away from the, the working world and not only hang out and uh, eat some good barbecue, but also play and catch up on a lot of games that just stockpiled at home that I could either not get to because of work or it just was not appropriate to have with a, a 10-year-old niece <laughs> hanging around you most of the day uh, for the kind of content that I like to play. So we'll have a little bit of a, we'll have a little bit of that to discuss later in the show. Some of the games I got to play, including the. Uh, the the recently released Destiny 2, I finally got my hands on that for the Xbox, and I'll have some short details, just play a couple hours of it, that I want to share some of my experience on that as well, and some other little tidbits of news that kind of got away from me while I was away that I thought would still be cool to highlight through for this day, to start this lovely week of video gaming. So, hang on to your shorts, kids, we're going to get this ball rolling. Let's see what we got. NPD sales had released last week to give us what the uh, charts look like for the month of August. And while they overall say that the, the game sales fell a little bit compared to last year around this time, there's some very interesting tales to tell uh, with, the, with, with the top 10 NPD sales. So uh, this seems to be getting a lot of buzz, just you know, some interesting insights that you can gather from this. And this is basically all physical and full game digital copies for publishers in, in the particular panel ranked on dollar sales. So it's to give you a good idea of, of the revenue being accumulated here, especially for some surprisingly old faces that are somehow still showing up on this list overall. So here's here's the top ten that we have. We've got uh, number one, Madden NFL 18 from Electronic Arts. No surprise, they're the uh, the mainstays of late August for every year when the new football season kicks off. So it's not surprising that they've at least gotten to that uh, particular high point. Grand Theft Auto Five is number two. We'll get to, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uncharted Lost Legacy is number three. We got two Nintendo titles in a row here: Splatoon Two and Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, both for the Switch, of course. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege is a big surprise too at number 6. Mario Kart 8, another Switch title in the mix at number 7. And we got three Activision Blizzard titles coming up to round up the top 10. Call of Duty, Modern Warfare Remastered. I'm presuming this is the unpackaged edition because it originally had come out when Call of Duty Infinite Warfare came out last year. Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy is number 9. And then lastly, Overwatch. So here's some interesting things to pull out right away. Number one, Grand Theft Auto V is number two on this list, and it has basically been on this list for an, an insane amount of time here. I'm trying to uh, check out the numbers here. Uh, one of the analysts had said in this article that I'm reading from uh, the Games Industry page, Grand Theft Auto V has been on the market 49 months, has achieved 41 top 10 chart appearances, 16 more times than any other single title in reported history, and in addition, Grand Theft Auto V is the all-time best-selling game, both 
through revenue and units in track sales across PC, console, and portable with digital and package combined. I mean, it's just insane to think about this. When you think about that Grand Theft Auto V originally came out uh, just at basically at the dawn of the PS4 and Xbox One era, they still had, I believe there's still copies to be sold on PS3 and 360. This was September 2013, this came out. It's four years later, and for 41 and out of the last 49 months, we've seen this game show up in the top 10 charts. I mean, no one can question Rockstar's pedigree for sure when it comes to quality games. I just, it's amazing to think the quality is so much that it's still a game that is selling well four years later. And so that so knowing that no one can question the development cycle and you know the kind of plans Rockstar has with their games. That's why when people you know we got Red Dead Redemption Two scheduled to come out spring of next year, originally it was supposed to come out now basically fall 2017. When it got announced that it got delayed, no one batted an eye. <laughs> I mean, it was a news story for some of the podcasting feeds that I listened to, but it was like a blip on the radar. You know, talked about it for a minute, moved on. Everyone knew that Red Dead Redemption 2 was going to be delayed, especially in this kind of crowded holiday season we're getting. Uh, it just feels much safer bet for Rockstar to push Red Dead into a more widespread time period. And it's traditionally had some success in the spring period as well. I think actually the first Red Dead came out in that spring time frame as well. So no one, no one should be surprised by this. And you know, give Rockstar as much time as you need. They, they, they traditionally have taken at least a six to eight year cycle when it comes to making their games. And when they release it, it is basically the talk of the industry because they just put out pure quality, polished content. So. Nobody could question their guy's pedigree anymore. No one has for a while, but to you see a game like this show up for so much time is just an incredible thing to the staying power that this game has. Uh, it's really a sight to behold. And then you got these other interesting insights here. Uncharted Lost Legacy is again mentioned it was up there as well. It came in at number three. Mind you that this is a game that was meant to just be a DLC, much like a lot of Naughty Dog's uh, uh, properties, and they built it up into its own standalone game. Obviously, not to the kind of length that a standard Uncharted game has, but to think that they got that on this chart and it's only on one platform. It's always been a PlayStation title, and the article is saying that these sales are only including the standalone software. This does not include being part of the Uncharted 4 Digital Deluxe Edition or even the Uncharted 4 Explorers Pack. So, standalone on its own. Is really impressive to think that they uh, have gotten to that to that height as well. Uh, it's a really a really sight to behold, and once again speaks to the impressive credibility of Naughty Dog, who much like Rockstar, even though they have different games and different genres they get into, are always putting in the time and efforts to put the kind of polished quality you would expect from uh, a Naughty Dog game. You know, we're hoping to see that with Last of Us 2 soon as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if we wait maybe a year or two for that to come out too, to get the kind of quality Naughty Dog usually expects. The other interesting insight too is, you know, Nintendo is got a hit on their hands with the Switch. I mean, the numbers they've been selling have been really great. They've already pushed up to like 4 million copies of the Switch being sold. I'm sure that number has updated itself since uh, the last time they reported that a month ago. 
But you know, you got Splatoon, Zelda, Mario Kart 8 on this list here. Uh, it's a really impressive sight to see. You got Mario Odyssey coming up in another month that I'm sure are going to drive those sales even further. I mean, Nintendo is just, you know, for, for all their faults of not getting online rights, not having virtual console, having to use an app to do voice chat and making sure that phone is alive and docked, that is pretty crazy. I mean, there's a lot of things that Nintendo has been doing wrong uh, with online these last couple generations, but quality games is not one of them. <laughs> they they just nail it all the time, and it looks like they are definitely really pushing the ball if you've catched the last Nintendo re, uh, Nintendo Direct with the uh, Nindies initiative that they're doing with uh, all sorts of different indie titles that are going to get Switch support. And, you know, like I said, Mario Odyssey is on the horizon. We've got a Metroid Prime. Not anytime soon, but it's going to come. It's been announced. And, uh, you know, even the 3DS, you know, they're, they're pumping the titles still on the 3DS, even knowing that they have Switch being a mobile console. I mean... You know, this is a this is exactly what we were hoping for with Nintendo to really get back in that race and really put out the kind of polished content we know and try to put it out as consistently as they can. Uh, if they could work out the kinks of the online, then they'd be in a much better state. But you know, to see to see this kind of stuff where they have the fourth, fifth, and seventh positions on this top ten is just uh, a tip of the hat to them. So uh, cannot complain. I'm happy with my Switch. I'm happy with the games. Uh, that they have, so this is good. this is good stuff to see as well. And then lastly, there's the big elephants in the room in Activision Blizzard, rounding up the last charts with Call of Duty, Modern Warfare Remastered, Crash Bandicoot, and Overwatch. I mean, this is obviously a combination of two big conglomerates, Activision the publisher, Blizzard the supreme game maker at the moment, whether it's Overwatch or World of Warcraft or Starcraft. You know, these guys you know, deliver the goods as well. You know, impressive enough to see Modern Warfare Remastered get there on the list, having uh, been packaged up with Infinite Warfare previously. I guess people still want a, a taste of the good old action that uh, they got started with Call of Duty when it became a, a huge hit. So it was cool to see them get get on this list here as well. Crash Bandicoot is a, is a nice surprise. For, uh, I know there were a lot of questions about the remastering of this trilogy and if people will still remember the PS1 icon. And clearly they have. And what kind of, what else can you say about Overwatch? I mean, these guys developing the game are, are constantly pumping out new content, even if it's just simple bug fixes or the readjusting of the, the balance of the players to make sure that gameplay is much more even amongst the characters that we choose. You know, new characters they seem to get out every couple quarters, new maps new game modes. I mean, these guys are on top of this. And what, what, what more could you expect from Blizzard there? I mean, they do this with all their other franchises where they will continue to support this game till the end of time. I mean, my gosh, I read a story that the original StarCraft, I'm, I'm talking the original StarCraft, not the remastered copy that came out a few weeks ago, they had put a patch out for that <laughs> in 2017, a game that was made back in 1998. They're supporting 19 years later. That is just mind-blowing for me to see but it works I mean they you know it's something uh, it's something I'm gonna get into when I finish the book I'm reading a book called Blood Sweat and Pixels right now and one of the chapters is about the development process behind Diablo 3 Blizzard is in the belief that you support your game and put as much features as you can even as much as free as possible to get the goodwill of the fans and they will reward you and it's worked for Blizzard for 
gosh knows how many times. So, you know, give these guys the credit. I mean, they're they're doing the same thing with Overwatch. I we have yet to pay a thing for each time we get a new character or a new map. The only thing you really can pay for is the uh, the coins that you use to get a loot box or or to purchase uh, certain moves or your characters. But that's really it. And no, and they're not forcing you to do it. So. This is an interesting list. Uh, I thought it was really something to, to highlight. It was something during my break that I kept an eye on and wanted to talk about when I got back. So I hope this uh, gives you guys some insights into what's going on and what's selling out there. And uh, you know, if, let me know if you guys have some perspectives on this top 10 from the MPD as well. I'd love to hear your take on what is that saying about the current state of the, the game space that we're in. So let me know your thoughts. Send a call in and uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy to hear you. All right, guys, let's get some Destiny 2 talk in here. I had a chance to, on my break, pick up my own copy on the Xbox of Destiny 2. My friend got one as well, so I kind of piggybacked off his for now, starting off with a, a, a Hunter to, to play. I'm uh, just starting a, a Titan run myself as soon as I got home. But I did, get, I did get to play a little tag team with him on the break here to kind of get some idea of the campaign. And... You know, good start so far. I'd say consensus so far after playing about maybe four or five hours is that it is basically Destiny 1, what it should have been when it, when it launched the first time a few years ago. Really, I mean, what else can you expect from this game here? I mean, if you've, if you've played the beta, you've seen the, the walkthroughs, the Twitch streams, and everything going on lately, if you're one of the current players as well, you pretty much know it's Destiny all over again. Um, that's not a shot at the Bungie or anything. They make very good shooters. I mean, I will say right off the bat, I mean, Bungie knows how to make a shooter. I mean, uh, they've been doing this since Halo 1, so I'm not totally surprised at all, given the two decades of experience that they have working on this, that they can pull this off. So, I mean, the controls are tight. You... you you're very familiar with the gameplay if you played the first one, so everything is mapped out correctly in terms of how you shoot, how you throw your grenades, how do you activate your special powers depending on your class. It's all really wound up and tight, and I, I can appreciate that. It's, it's a good thing to know as you start off your campaign, as you make your way into the last city and try to save it, that... I didn't need I didn't need to have any training wheels put on. I mean, obviously, there's a little tutorial coming up as you go through it to teach you how to throw grenades and do melee punches. But really, I mean, we've all, we've all played shooters at some points. You know, the the controls are are pretty well mapped out across all first person shooting games. This is not an exception. Campaign wise, I'm pretty intrigued so far. Um, I've heard reports that it kind of ends on a on a meh or a blah type of, type of notes, depending on your cup of tea. But I, I'm intrigued what I got so far. I mean, everyone, I think you know the premise, The Last City has fallen to the Red Legion, which is like, a, I guess, the extremist faction of the Cabal. This guy, Gaul, has captured the Traveler, you lose your light, and you, your quest is basically to get back your lights and try to retake the planet. And I gotta say, the one pet peeve I should have is that you, you really... I mean, this is a spoiler for anybody who hasn't played it yet. You really do get that light back really quickly. I mean, it sets it up really well, and I already played this in the beta a couple months ago. You know, you get, you try, you try your best to save the city, but the 
the Cabal have captured the Traveler, you end up losing your light, your ghost deactivates, and you get kicked off the spaceship down to the floor below where it looks like everything's looking pretty sour. And as you slowly try to make your way out of the city and into the outskirts of the forest, you know, your first mission is you have this dream of a shard of the Traveler existing in the European Dead Zone. So right away, your, your, first, your second mission, really, as soon as you finish the city, is to go locate this. And you get, you mean, once you get through your enemies and get to your destination, I mean, you get powered up right away, and it's like basically nothing happened. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, obviously, at some point, we were going to get our light back and try to, you know, get the same powers we had in the previous game. I just thought it was a little cheating to do it so soon. You know, after you have this big epic intro where the city is under attack and the traveler is being captured and, you know, you lose your light, I would have, it would have been made more sense if they pushed this a little more to, like, maybe the middle, middle of the campaign. But I guess that's at the same time, that would be of a bit of a crutch to just keep you so underpowered for so much duration of the game. I don't know, I don't know if there's an answer to that really there. I, I just kind of felt like Bungie kind of wrote themselves into a corner by letting you have the light so quickly right out of the gate. Like, literally, you know, after the first mission, it was literally like maybe 20 minutes in that I got my light back. And we were back to being supercharged and then activating our super and throwing grenades at people like crazy. I mean, I don't know. That is just my one pet peeve about it. The rest of the missions, I mean, I've already gone through some of the EDZ campaigns with taking on the Fallen, which were pretty cool. You get to eventually go to Titan to uh, to do some action there. It's pretty pretty interesting so far. I will say the variety does kick up a notch once you make your way to Titan. Uh, you find out that the hive is all there. It's, it's taken it over. Things are not what they seem. So once you kind of like establish base contact with one of your commanders, you really start getting a lot of the uh, cool side missions where. Uh, whether it's like reactivating uh, certain cores or or the lights or the power or, or, or taking on like a wizard cult, I mean they uh, they push the anti here pretty well with uh, especially kind of area in like it, the planet kind of reminds me of Kamino from Star Wars: Attack of the Clones. I know a lot of people don't want to remember that movie, but uh, it, it, it is what it is. So it it, got, it had some nice little platforming elements to it where you had to really jump around some places in order to attack some enemies. So I appreciated the little variety in level design that they that they did here. I think that really anti things up quite a bit as you were taking on some of these side missions. And really, that's about all I could say for now. Uh, I'm still, you know, leveling up characters, getting my gear, boosting my light levels so that eventually, once I'm done with the campaign, I can start taking on some of the more of the strikes. So... You know, I got. I mean, it's 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 a destiny feel to it. There, I don't think it's a bad thing, but obviously, as I start making my way to crucible actions, strikes, and an eventual raid, I'm hoping uh, Bungie can push the envelope a little bit more and not and not try to play it safe. I think they what they were trying to achieve with this one is to really get the story back on a good pace for for people to enjoy. And I think that they have achieved that so far. Uh, like I said, I'm only literally. On my own campaign, I'm literally only like an hour in, so uh, I still got to work my way to Titan and eventually the other planets. But it's it's a good start so far. I think Bungie finally kind of you know I did I think they did the right thing restarting this, even if it was you know keeping a lot of the mechanics the same, keeping a lot of the 
the gameplay elements the same, I think they really wanted to take a look, good hard look at how they've established the story and the lore and really get that established in the sequel so that everybody that jumps in uh, is more coherent and focused on what really needs to get done. So I'll give Bungie credit for that. They, they, they did a good job doing that setup there. Well, obviously, as I, as I go to try to complete this game and make my way through some of the PvP action, and I know they got expansion pack coming up pretty cool, pretty quickly in December, if I if I recall the schedule. So Bungie's not relenting. They want to make sure this is a a good uh, content experience that has a lot of variety, a lot of diversity to it. I think it's a good start so far. But you know, as I as I try to work my way through the game and, and play through some stuff, I'll will let you know if anything has changed. But until then, enjoying the game. Uh, good stuff from Bungie so far. It's a good kickstart to the fall that I know is going to be pretty crowded soon as we get into October. So, yeah, good stuff so far. Jumping off the Destiny train for a little bit, I got to play a couple other games that intrigued me over the weekend at my buddy's place that was worth mentioning. They're a little bit of oldies, but goodies. Well, depending on your point of view for this game, uh, I got to play Mass Effect Andromeda on the Xbox One friend was willing to give me a, a shot at this here since uh, for some reason his Xbox decided to do a factory reset on him and delete all his saves. So I uh, got the privilege to kind of kickstart his campaign again, picking up, uh, picking up a male writer and, you know, taking on the adventures of the, as the Pathfinder, trying to take some of my people over into the Andromeda galaxy and find a new home, which is the basic premise of the game that I'm describing. Now, for me, obviously, this is me playing it six months after the release, so a lot of the controversy that came with it between the the bugs that were breaking the game, the uh, shaky animations were uh, quite a few funny memes if you were to you know go on Google or go on YouTube uh, to see some people's playthroughs and how they uh, actually reacted and talked to people. So a lot of that seems to uh, hopefully have been uh, fixed at this point because I I know that Bioware put out a statement saying that they're no longer going to be supporting this game and pretty much in general Mass Effect looks like it's being put on the shelf for the foreseeable future. But I decided to give it a shot. Uh, the thing that tried to kind of help me here, my friend tried to describe, is that he basically told me try not to think of this as a Mass Effect game, just think of it as Andromeda, just plain old Andromeda. And, I, and it kind of worked. <laughs> I mean, I only played two hours of the game. Really just kind of get through the prologue. I think I got as far as waking up out of the ship, discovering this uh, little golden world uh, of a planet, and uh, you know, discovering some of the mechanics and then the way things are, are how you shoot and manage inventory. So I got all that, and eventually it was made Pathfinder, and I, I went on to another ship called the Nexus to uh, kind of kickstart some other conversations and find out, you know, try to find out where the other arcs are that were supposed to be with me. And that's kind of where I left it at. So, real real basic impressions. I mean, I saw nothing wrong the way it kind of started. I mean, it was pretty beautiful and polished, uh, especially the space elements of the, the cutscenes. So I totally dug that. You know, obviously can't get enough of much of the story that I could share. I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, it was the basic dialogue tree and, and choice selections in, in your character that is typical of a Bioware game. 
Now, I mean, some of the choices didn't really scream good or evil decisions here. I think that was, if I remember correctly, I think that was one of the things they decided to change in this game as opposed to the original trilogy was not going the route of the uh, Paragon and I forgot what the evil one, uh, evil path was, but you get the idea, good or evil in terms of your decision making. But I didn't really get a sense because like I said, I kind of just got through the prologue parts, uh, got off the planet, became Pathfinder and kind of stopped from there. But I mean, so far in that playthrough, no janky animations, no big bugs that try to crash the game on me. Voice acting was fine. You know, it was a basic story path, story beat to start, and I'm sure, you know, as the game opens up, you start going to more planets and uh, take on more side missions, I'm sure it's going to open up here. So, really, I mean, really so far, I think the standout for me was the combat. I mean, this is basically the evolution of what Mass Effect 3 was trying to do, a more action-oriented, more cover-based approach that games like Gears of War and Tomb Raider have perfected lately. Uh, really going for just you know mapping certain grenades and, and powers to your to your uh, to your stats and to your controls based on the different biotics you pick. So it, it's screaming a lot of the old Mass Effect vibe. But I could I could definitely say they put an emphasis on the combat. You have a jetpack that flies you around different places, and it didn't really it didn't really show much in combat, but it was something cool to use for strafing as, as one uh, particular sequence came up uh, when when I was being flanked. So there's some elements of good here. I mean, I think definitely, you know, especially since the price has gone down, I may give it a, a shot. You know, maybe not anything anytime soon, but if I get like a good holiday weekend coming up, you know, I might plunk down thirty, forty bucks and, and give it a shot. Uh, like I said, I mean, if you just think of this game as just Andromeda, it has some potential to it here. But obviously, as I get to it down the road, uh, I'll probably have more further thoughts. But it was a good experience so far for the couple hours that I got to play it. I also got the chance to play Thief this past weekend, too, on the PS4. And I thought this was interesting, too. I, I missed the bank on the original Thief games that came out on the PC a few years back. Uh, but I've always heard of the premise of the, the stealthy gameplay. You get more uh, rewards for being much more stealthy as opposed to any other actions. And really, obviously, I mean, we're in 2017 now. We've had games like... Assassin's Creed that have perfected the stealth elements and have given you more chances at rewards by being the kind of stealthy persons that assassinates from the dark. So this is a game, I think that came out maybe like two, three, four years ago, but around the onset of when the PS4 and Xbox One came about. And, you know, I, I dug the vibe and the premise. It definitely had a steampunk Victorian feel to it uh, during this time period with a little bit of a magical elements they're about uh the basic premise of the game has you just being a thief i think that you you have your protege going with you taking on a job and you find out that the the it looks like a cathedral that you go to is doing some kind of ritual with the the item that you're trying to steal and something goes awry your protege falls through the building as the spell's being cast and big explosion goes off, you lose your protege for some reason, and then you somehow make it unscathed and, you know, have to learn to uh, figure out what's going on. And you get visions of your protege coming in your dreams. You, you, she may not be as dead as you thought, while you still go about doing what you can to rob from the rich and give to the poor, is the kind of premise of the game, is you're kind of dealing with more of a little more totalitarian type of London vibe, where... 
uh, people, uh, the police are running over the populations and, you know, taking things away from the poor and the homeless. So that kind of Robin Hood vibe, if you get my drift. So I like the premise. I like the environments. And, you know, I think it's it's cool, you know, keeping the game really focused on the stealth side of things. And with with Garrett as your main character, you get a lot of chance to emphasize that, whether it's making sure you're hiding in the shadows making sure that you put out the candles with your fingers, you can acquire different arrows, like water arrows, to shoot the lanterns on the walls. So there's a lot of different tactics to try to get stealthy and get around people. Where I think it fell a little short for me is that you know it, it rewards you based on how you approach your mission. So you have the the stealthy approach was the best, which is the best approach they try to get you to follow and get the most rewards. But then you have, you, then you also have the, the more violent approach where you can go out with your, your, uh, I guess it's your staff and your your bow and arrow, and uh, take people up, take people out. You're not exactly the most efficient fighter. I think the the cops who are well trained in this game have an edge on you <laughs> in that area, but uh, you can get around it in certain cases. And then there's more what they call the opportunistic route, which is basically, you know, you doing what you can, like stealthily knocking people out, and uh, and uh, and and they seem to reward more towards that area. It basically breaks it up into percentages for each mission that you're in, and I always saw myself fall into the more opportunistic route. Stealthy is stealthy is really hard in this game. You know, you're always dealing with something there, whether it's the, the, the lights that you're going through, the, the glass that may be on the floor that you stepped on, or the water because you're not going slow enough. You, you push over some waves and it alerts the guards. There's a lot of opportunities to fail here, and I'm playing this on normal mode. I can't tell, I couldn't really tell if it was me that was screwing it up, but I kind of felt that the developers uh, who made this didn't really give a lot of opportunity to make uh, a stealthy and more achievable threat or achievable option I should say so I always I was always landing on the opportunistic approach when it comes to solving each mission so I thought they could have maybe balanced that a little bit more and, and helped that out there uh, so that I had a little bit of a struggle with that but I mean overall uh, the setting is nice uh, graphics kind of carry a uh, early kind of comic book vibe but in the steampunk setting if that makes any sense if you can just kind of picture that so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the story seemed kind of basic enough. Uh, I didn't really... I mean, again, maybe I needed the context from the original games, but really didn't have a sense of what Garrett's motivation is and what the overall story is about. And maybe that's just because I only got through four or five hours of the game. But it was a good start. I mean, I, I may give it another shot and a borrowing, but uh, that was another game I thought that was pretty cool I wanted to share about too. So go check it out. And with that, folks, we are done for today. Uh, I got a couple other small playthroughs I got through this weekend with Titanfall 2 and Wolfenstein, the first game. You know, not much to say about that. Uh, I've already played Wolfenstein before. It was more for my friend's benefit. Uh, and Titanfall 2 was uh, pretty cool as well, but I didn't get to play too much, like maybe a half hour at most. Uh, kind of like the little buddy-buddy gameplay. You get to play with your Titan as you uh, take, it, take it over from your previous mentor. So I'd like to explore that a little bit more uh, when I get a chance, but that was really the extent of the games this weekend. Uh, I figured I'd share that because, you know, don't know when I'm going to get this chance again <laughs> to really go through a backlog that like that, especially with Destiny 2 now on the now here and on my plate. You know, we got October not too far off as well. 
with a, a whole plethora of games that I'll be, you know, smacking my lips on between uh, Shadow of War and Assassin's Creed Origins and uh, Wolfenstein 2, Super Mario Odyssey. I mean, it's just, in, October is just insane, especially with those three later games coming out at the very end of the month. So, had to get it in while I can, even if I didn't complete it. I figured that's would be something interesting to talk about, especially if uh, this kind of backlog is uh, something you haven't gotten to as well. But I'm calling it a night here, guys. It's been a pleasure again to get back in action after a little short break. You can always leave in call-ins on the show here on Anchor. You can just go to anchor.fm slash videogamefury or just right here on the segment you can call in if you're listening right now. Uh, the call-ins are a great way for me to interact, kind of hear your thoughts and feedback about some of the things I've been talking about or if there's anything in the news you want me to discuss. Always happy to get your content over onto my content on the show. So please leave a call-in if you want. Uh, happy to discuss whatever it is you want to discuss. You can also email me at tim at videogamefury.com if you have something more long-form and written that you want to say. I'm more than happy to read the email on the air as well if if it's a good topic to discuss. So please, by all means, go ahead and do that. And you can also find us on facebook.com slash videogamefury79 if you wanted to reach the social medias of the world to share your thoughts of all things games. That is it for me tonight, folks. We will be back in the next day or so to talk about more stuff in the lovely world of video game news, industry, and hopefully some more game dev talk. Uh, I've got an opportunity to ramp up a little bit on some of the game dev stuff I'm doing with Unity this week, freeing up my schedule a little bit, so I hope to share some more insights as I continue to build my knowledge in the game dev world as well. Uh, There's also a great book I'm reading too called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels that when I finish I want to talk about it on the air too so that is it for me folks thanks again for listening have a great night we'll talk soon